here, North Pine, and I'm from the other side of Brisbane. I come from Indrapilly, and I'm actually part of uh, Moore Park Baptist Church, and we've had some links with you or some association with you over the years. It's really good. And this morning, it's uh, really great to be part of your fellowship, and uh, it's also good to hear the songs and to just uh, experience the Lord's presence and be reminded of what he's done for us. Now, we're dealing with a subject this morning which a lot of people think that the going into creation and the Old Testament, it can be a little bit of a side issue for Christians that we focus on the gospel. And of course, that's what we want to do is focus on the gospel and see people come to know the Lord through Jesus Christ. But uh, this morning, I just want to talk about the fact that the creation is actually a foundation. It's a key to the gospel. And uh, it's only when we understand what God has created and what happened there that it makes sense for us. And uh, I, I, I came to know the Lord when I was in my early teens. A friend at school invited me along to Boys Brigade at a Baptist church over there on the other side of Brisbane. And uh, through there, I, we caused a lot of trouble for our Boys Brigade leaders. They're very patient with us. Uh, and uh, at a, an Easter camp, it was uh, particularly there where the Lord really revealed himself to me and I came to know him personally and that's changed everything in my life, changed the way, the, my direction, in the way my studies, in my family, and the way my children. And so it's a wonderful thing to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. I studied engineering, I was interested in how things worked and that's really why I got interested in creation and I, uh, I did an, a, um, a work with the electricity industry for many years and then I went and studied geology because you'll see the connection in a little while but because of the importance of that topic to the issue in our culture today with uh, creation and evolution and uh, creation is a key to the gospel and we could point to many parts like uh, about creation and about the gospel. And the gospel in the New Testament is, um, there's little summaries of it in various places where it's put through in the, in the New Testament about, and we sung about it as well, about what Jesus Christ has done and about, you know, how we can respond to him. He's taken our sins away. 1 Peter 3.18 is an example of one of the places where the gospel is presented. It says, Christ died for our sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Uh, he was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. So there's a little presentation of the gospel. And that's what we as believers in Christ are encouraged to do is to share the gospel with our friends and one good way of doing that is invite your friends to church. And I'm sure people do that already. That's what happened to me. Somebody invited me to church. And uh, I've just uh, done a little bit of uh, read an article which says that something like 80% of people in a church came there because somebody invited them. But anyway, sharing the gospel, there's a little, you might have seen a little um, potted summary it's a little diagram that uh, you can share with your friends over coffee at McDonald's or somewhere like that. If you get just in a conversation and it goes like this. So you have uh, here, this is us on this side. Have you seen this little diagram? It's a very common one. And uh, God is on this side and there's a big chasm between us. And of course, people in the world who aren't Christians are, understand this chasm. They feel that there's got to be more to life than this, you know. So it, it connects with them. 
And then they go, you go on and how people, you know, we try to bridge the chasm and doesn't seem to work. Nothing seems to work. But that's why God sent Jesus Christ and he died on the cross. The chasm's really our sin. And he died on the cross so that we can now uh, be connected with God uh, in a personal way. So that's the gospel, a, a, a nice little way of putting the gospel. But um, it's like coming in in the middle of a movie. You know, if you miss the beginning of the movie, you can't really know what's going on. And so, and a lot of people, if we share the gospel like that, uh, they sort of think, okay, how does this work? Why, why is there a chasm there? And uh, God, is there really a God? I, I don't think God's necessary these days, is he? Hasn't evolution proved that God's not needed? And so there's this issue that we've missed the beginning of the movie when we share the gospel there. And the reason why it's that people respond this way is because what is in our culture. And it's the issue of evolution, the story, the alternative story to how we got here. And that is, it all evolved over millions of years. There was no God who created us. And this is just a little snippets from newspaper cuttings. And it's constant, isn't it? I don't know, does anybody signed up to get a, an evolutionary newsletter or something like that? Do you sign up to get information coming into your home about evolution? You don't have to do that, do you? It just comes in. Turn on the radio, turn on the television. David Attenborough's there. You know, your children come home with their assignments and it's in there. Everywhere, it's, it's just comes into us. And so no wonder people think that, um, you know, don't see the relevance of, of the Christian faith. And it's put forward that this is science. This is fact. This is based on the laws of the universe. And it's put like that. And, uh, of course, people have issues like this. Uh, we get lots of stories or lots of emails from people like this guy, Kenneth. He says, I was raised in the church until my teens before rejecting it and uh, declaring myself an atheist agnostic. So I can imagine that would be quite painful for his parents. Uh, the creation evolution issue was the number one sticking point for me. He says, how could I possibly believe the Bible if it was wrong from the very, very start? And that's what young people, that's what people in our culture are confronted with. How can we believe the Bible? And so uh, Pastor Duncan mentioned we brought some resources and because we're going to deal with some things, of course, in this message. But there's a lot of questions that you may have which I won't touch on. So we have magazines, books and DVDs. But uh, probably one of the things that is most helpful to know about is free, you can get some free information through a website, which is creation.com. Now that's not that complicated, is it? If you want to find out about creation, where would you go? Creation.com. If you want to find out about evolution, where would you go? No, 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 no. You go to creation.com. Creation.com. But it doesn't hurt to, to, tr to get on some of these other sites and look at what they're doing. You want to check and make sure that you get in the right information. But creation.com deals with the issue of creation and evolution. 
And, uh, and it's a good thing to get some sort of an education. I was talking to somebody just yesterday. He says, I need to get a bit informed about this. Because <laughs> there were, you know, raised questions which he realized he didn't have the answers to. And so creation.com, we put out an email newsletter. You can connect through the website there. Comes out once a week or something like that. Let you know when things are on. But it's also an educational thing. Uh, so that's the topics. But it's an educational thing where you can get a, a, a educated easily. And it comes into your inbox about once a week. Talking about that topic bar, there's, there's topics. Where are we? The topics there. There's all sorts of things. Now you might have questions. I don't know. You might be talking to somebody and they might say, well, you know, how, how can you go along to church and believe the Bible and all that stuff? You know, the Bible doesn't mention dinosaurs. Or they might say, well, how, how can you believe the story about Adam and Eve? Because, um, they had Cain and Abel, they had boys and where, who did their boys marry? And, uh, the story about Noah's Ark, where did all the water come from? Where's it all gone to? How did you get all those animals on the on that ark? You know, and so um, these questions come up, and that's where you can get answers on that topics bar. And uh, you can also in, uh, connect to the newsletter through this little thing. In your newsletter, there's a little uh, little brochure here, and on the back you can put your email address. So I'll mention that a little bit later on, but I'd encourage you to do that. But don't write it out now. You've got to listen to me, and. Uh, but later on, I'll explain a little bit more in detail. So I just gave one story, but there's a lot of stories. You can go on with a lot of stories, good stories and bad stories. This is a sad story of a guy by the name of David Williamson. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Some people may know his name. He's written a lot of plays for television and cinema, an Australian playwright. I think he lives somewhere up on the Sunshine Coast. But his story says this. He says, I don't pray to anything. He says, I went to church in suburban Melbourne and had an intensely religious phase until I was 12. And then I heard of the theory of evolution and it cured me of any idea that we're God's children. So he heard about it when he's 12. And uh, he said, we're just a life form that evolved reasonably successfully. There's no grand plan to the universe or to our lives. And I just think, what a tragedy. The church, he was in the church. He was, he was responding to the message and then he heard about evolution. And I just say to, like, the tragedy is that no one prepared him to deal with the issue. He was in the church, but the church didn't prepare him to face this issue when he encountered it at school, at high school. And at 13, it would have been just starting in high school. And that's what we want to do today is to help you get tools so that you can have a conversation with your kids and with your grandkids to help them navigate through this minefield which they all face in their daily lives. And we don't want tragedies like that. Like this is, you, you would have been aware that a number of years ago there was, the government brought in a new curriculum, the Australian curriculum, and, and of course, who's against education? Nobody's against education. We want our kids educated, and we need millions of dollars, and we need these big re- reviews so that we can get an education for our kids. And so this is the, um, and I agree with that. This is a year 10 science book. Uh, this is the curriculum, the, the standard stuff in year 10. All kids in the country have to learn about evolution in, in science. They actually start younger than that. 
the, the philosophical uh, the basis for this philosophy starts in, in uh, preschool. I was at a, a Christian school just earlier, just last uh, Friday actually, where they're teaching the curriculum and they're doing some geological teaching and it putting in the kids' ideas. It's very subtle. And I don't think even the people that write the curriculum realise just the subtlety of the, 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 um, of the philosophy teaching the ideas which lead down the path which David Williamson was on. And uh, in this, uh, this curriculum, Year 10, it starts the section on evolution about the theory of evolution. And it starts out like this. It says, before evolutionary theory, life was created by gods. See, people were superstitious. You know, the people, and uh, it says that was the generally accepted view for many thousands of years. It says Christianity governed the beliefs of the people in Europe. Do you realize that your kids and your grandkids are being exposed to anti-Christian teaching in high school all the time like this? That they're trying to capture your kids. Can you see how they're trying to capture your kids? Christianity, this is the old idea before we knew about evolution. Christianity governed the beliefs of people in Europe. But we've grown up from that. We've advanced from that. Do you see the, the subtlety of it? And, uh, and so what we're really, really sort of interested in doing is helping parents say, hey, this is an issue we need to deal with in our family. We need to get our kids a little bit on the page on this. And so that's the way it goes. There's a guy called um, William Provine, and uh, he, he's done quite. He's an, an evolutionist, an atheist, and he says this. He says that evolution is the greatest engine of atheism ever invented. It turns people into atheists. Richard Dawkins is a guy who was confirmed in the Anglican Church, and then he learned about evolution. And when he's asked, you know, when did you first start doubting your Christian faith? And he says, well, it was when I first learned about evolution. You know, just imagine if that sort of guy could have been on the other side. And uh, surveys, like this Barna survey, uh, found that something like 70% of young people when they hit university end up dropping out of church things altogether. Young people who grow up in evangelical church drop out. Now that's enough bad news. I want to get on to some good news. But I just want to make sort of people aware that there is an issue. And I encountered it in my family just a, a little while ago. My granddaughter, her name is Lily, and uh, she was in grade 10, and she encountered this stuff about evolution. Now she just like David Williamson, was very passionate, very enthused about the things of God. She would invite her friends along to youth group, invite her friends along to church. And anyway, at, when they first started learning about evolution in year 10, they started teaching about fossils and how things evolved in the first class. And she was just dumbfounded. She'd never heard that. She should have heard it before, but anyway, she hadn't heard about it. And she sort of was like a stunned mullet, you know, and she came out of the class and in the, the lunch time, her friend said, well, Lily, looks like the Bible's not true after all. And uh, so when she got home from school, she was terribly distressed and her mother rang me. She didn't go to creation.com, but she rang me and uh, anyway, and, and I, talk, I talked, to her, talked her through it and, you know, uh, actually, she's really powering on now. Lily is going really good. She's just finishing year 12. And um, 
the science teacher's scared of her. <laughs> and it was very funny. It's very funny because, um, you know, they're at a, little, a school just a little bit out of Brisbane and she's sort of going through the science and she doesn't create a stir or anything. She just sort of is very confidently doesn't believe what she's being told. And uh, then her sister came into the, uh, this uh, school and uh, when she started the science class, she, the science teacher said, are you religious too? <laughs> and uh, anyway, that's, uh, yes, that's the point, is that you can, cha- you can change the tide when our kids are informed. And uh, really, what I told Lily, you know, I was thinking, well, how am I going to tell her this? I, was, I told her this because she was distressed. And so I said, look, hey, Lily, just realise they're just telling you a story. Don't think that they're teaching you facts. They're telling you a story, and this is a little arrow showing the story I'll talk about in a bit. I said, and realize there is another story about how we got here. So don't get distressed, just realize there's another story. And, uh, so, and, and we read, there's the other story, I'll talk about that. We read in Colossians 1 verse 16, we read, therefore, by him all things were created. This is the the true story of the world, the, the, what the Bible reveals to us, that Jesus Christ is the creator. Things on heaven, on an earth, visible and invisible, whether, whether um, thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And that puts our place in the world. And we read there in Genesis, it tells us how he did it, that God did it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, puts everything into perspective. He did it in six days. Wow, six days. You sure it was six days? Absolutely, it says six days. I wonder why he took so long. Why did God take so long to do it? <laughs> because he can do it, can't he? God is able to do it. The, the God of the Bible, this is not too hard for him to do. And there's a pattern behind it. And we read there, he created everything, came to the final pinnacle of his creation. He created, let us make man in our image. And then we read that to rule over the creation, to rule over the animals. And uh, God created us as stewards of his creation and then we see the man created out of the dust of the earth. He didn't take an animal and change the animal into something a bit better, a bit improved. He took the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul, a special creation in the image of God. And the first thing the man did, he was started to rule by by naming the animals. And, and then they realized there was a, a Mr. Elephant and a Mrs. Elephant and a Mr. Tiger and a Mrs. Tiger, but there was no Mrs. Man. And so they realized that God said it's not good for the man to be alone. And so he put the man in his sleep and then he created the woman when the man awoke from his sleep. said, wow, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Now, did I get the Hebrew right there, Duncan? Is it does say wow, does it? I'm not sure that it does, actually. But he did say, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And then we, realize, we read there in that first early chapters about how the man and the woman took the fruit they were commanded not to take, and as a consequence, they separated from God, they hid from God, they put out of the garden. There was a curse placed on the earth and also on the man and on the woman. They, they suffered a penalty. And that's the basis of the gospel, isn't it? That's the beginning. That's why there's a chasm there. That's why there's a problem. 
that we all, everyone in the world faces. And that's the whole of the, 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 the theme through the scriptures is about God redeeming the world to himself. And he does it in Christ. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In 1 Corinthians 15, the man in the Garden of Eden is called the first Adam. And uh, Jesus Christ is called the last Adam because Jesus and, and, and Adam, they're both, they're, that's part of God's plan. And without the first Adam, the last Adam doesn't make sense. And so when we start with this little picture of the gospel, it makes sense because we've explained why there's a chasm, who God is, what he's done, and uh, why the gospel's needed. And so you see the gospel Genesis is a foundation for the gospel. And you can summarize that it's a, it's really it's really a big story. It's not just creation, but there's a whole history that, go, that the Bible reveals to us of the world, the true history of the world. So it starts with creation, then you've got the corruption, man falling into sin, then the catastrophe, I'll talk about that later, Noah's flood, the the confusion, the tower of Babel. And you know, I don't want to brag, but my ancestors, I have ancestors who were present at all those four events. Did you know that? You have too. Everybody in the world has an ancestry that goes back to those four events. It affects everybody. And then it comes on to Christ. Who is Christ? He's the creator. He died on the cross. Why did he die? To pay the penalty of sin. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, the consummation of all things. Why do we need that? Because we're going to have a, a, a new heaven, there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more crying or tears. You know, because that's what God's intention was at the beginning and that's what he's going to achieve at the end, uh, the, the seven seas of history. Now the interesting thing about, and, and the interesting, it's about 6,000 years, you can work it out. I sometimes do a little, uh, a little uh, um, exercise with young people, if they're at a uh, school or something and I get a little table and they work out how long it was between Adam and Noah and then you can also work out between Noah and Abraham it's a little bit more complicated but not very much you can work out it's about 6,000 years it's a, so that's old 6,000 years is old but compared with uh, you know, the evolution it's, it's young and, we re- and the interesting thing is this We read in 2 Peter 1, 16, he says, We do not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So so the thing is, that's history. You know, when I put that arrow up with all those events, that really happened. That's not just people making it up. Peter says, we were there. We saw Jesus Christ on the uh, transfigured. We saw these events. And so you can go through back through each of those events and you can figure out there were people there. Uh, Noah's flood, there were eight people on the ark and it reads like a, a captain's log in the, in the Genesis. They, uh, on, the, on the fall, of course, there were two people there, Adam and Eve. And I don't know if they had a, a, a common story telling their children, but uh, who was to blame? Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. But anyway... <laughs> And, and of course during the creation Adam was there on day six and we read in the Bible that God sp- said uh, met with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden and they, they uh, no doubt God told them that, revealed that to them. And, and so it's based on history, that's the point. And so that's what I told my daughter, granddaughter and uh, based on our people who were there. 
And so when people are putting stuff out about science, this is what I said. When people, you're in a science class and they tell you something, the simple thing is to ask yourself a question. And I'll explain it in a minute. The question is, what did they actually see? What did they actually see? Science is about observation. And uh, often people who are creationists, people like myself, they call us hypocrites because we accept science. You know, when you've got jet planes and cell phones and modern medicine, they say, you're happy to accept it then, but you're rejected for evolution. Well, all this amazing technology is based on observation. It's based on experiment. But when you go back into time, back in the past, evolution and creation, you can't go back and observe it. It's, it's, so it's spec- there's evidence, there's evidence in the present, like this fossil, this fossil fish. And then somebody says, well, this fossil shows that fish grew legs 300 million years ago and they came out onto the land. Well, I can't see that. All I can see is a fossil fish. The story is just a story. And so it's actually very tricky when, you know, when somebody in a class holds up a fossil and then says, this shows that fish grew legs and came out onto the land, most young people will just say, hmm, yeah, I can see the fossil. It's very convincing. But somebody with just that little bit of insight says, okay, I can see the fossil. That's a fact. That's scientific. But that story about 300 million years ago, they're just making that up. Do you see the power of understanding that science is based on observation? And uh, so that's what we talk about. The Bible is a, not a science book, it's a history book. It's a history book of the universe and uh, about how things came about. So that's, we talked about creation. I said to Lily, just realise that they're telling you a story. Well, that's the creation story. I'll just get my, so I know where I'm going. That's the creation story. Now, evolution. Evolution over millions of years, it's a story as well. But it's a story that's been invented. People invented it. Everybody's singing to the same, same tune. The story of evolution. And there's, th- there's thousands of scientists sort of working on this stuff. But it's all the same tune. It's invented. And the purpose of the story is that God is not needed. So evolution over millions of years, you've got the, the uh, origin of the first living cell. Nobody knows how that happened, but that's the story. It came out of non-living chemicals. And then over millions of years, it evolved into a fish, and then it fishes into amphibians, and fabians into reptiles, and then mammals. You, you've heard the story, haven't you? You're familiar with this? And then eventually people, over millions of years. So that's the idea of evolution. It's just natural process, supposedly, natural selection. But it's bigger than that, because it has to explain everything without God. So you start with cosmic evolution. There was nothing and then that exploded i don't know if you saw on q and a and you saw uh, uh, lawrence krauss trying to explain or richard dawkins was on q and a trying to explain how everything came from nothing and he's sitting on q and a and he says you know nothing is is quite complicated and <laughs> that's what the audience in q and a did they all burst out laughing and he said what's funny about that <laughs> 
How do you explain where everything comes from nothing? Cosmic evolution. And then you've got geological evolution, how you know these uh, dust and gas came together and formed the solar system and the earth was a molten blob. Then you've got chemical evolution, how non-living chemicals become an amazing living cell that can reproduce itself and then how that diversified into all the animals and plants that are alive on the earth today and eventually apes evolved into humans. So that's the story. And none of those, none of those events are ever observed. Who saw the ape change into a human? Nobody. Who saw the origin of the first living cell? Nobody. They can't actually reproduce that. Who saw the Big Bang when everything exploded? Where did they have the telescope? Nobody saw it. It's just made up. And that's what I said to Lily. I said, Tell, they're just telling you a story that they've made up. And that is, just gives people such, takes away all the stress. I don't have to worry about this. Just, they're just making this up. And yet once you know what to look for, you can know what's true and what's not true. So you've got this evolutionary story, all the different things in it. And it takes an inventor to explain everything naturalistically without God. And it goes over a period of 14,000 million years. See, if it's going to make itself, it can't happen quickly. You need a lot of time. And 14,000 million years is actually not enough time. It still won't work. But... Um, uh, and so if it's, if it's explains thing without God, what is that? It's atheism, isn't it? So it's an atheistic story and this is what is being taught in our culture. And as Christians wake up to what's going on, you know, we realize that there's a, there's a growing, um, what you might say, there's a growing, uh, anger, anti-Christian feeling that's been growing in our culture. Would that be right? You're getting Christians put in jail because they won't bake a cake. And you get Christians put in jail because they, they say something which somebody else disagrees with. So there's this anti-Christian feeling. And part of it is fueled by this atheistic story, which people have been taught for 30 years. And so they just think Christianity is not true. And... Uh, and, and, and uh, Well, I make the point that none of these things have been observed. And I just want to... Why don't I just, just touch on a couple of things and then I'll, where have we got? I just want to see where we're going. Okay, this is the textbook and the whole story is in this textbook, like they've got it in this textbook, they've got a little diagram. Where do they get this story from? Well, the fossils. See, there's a little diagram of the fossils out of this kid's textbook. There it is there. So this says, the history of living things as determined by paleontology, as determined by the fossils. And so you've got... 500 million years ago, you got these little early sea life, and then you've got uh, these uh, first amphibians 350 million years ago. Have you seen that? Well, that's what your kids are learning at school. And this is 100 million years ago, you got the dinosaurs and then people. So this is the history of living things according to paleontology, which the kids are reading. And, of course, they, um, they're taught by their teachers. They think it must be true. It's all based on scientific evidence. And so they have a bit of a, you know, they, they're just likely to say, well, the Bible says 6,000 years. It can't be 6,000 years. It must be something else. But the, the whole point is that um, this is a story that's made up. And I'll just, <laughs> I'll find out where I am. When it comes to, so 
And so what happens is people think, well, maybe the Bible says six days, but maybe it's not six days. So there's the idea. Maybe each day is a long age. Or, or maybe God used evolution. Or maybe there's a gap. Or, or maybe it's not really literally to, uh, supposed to not accept it as literal history. So there's all these different ideas about how to reinterpret Genesis. And, you know, if you start with the, the Bible and you've got evolutionary theory... And if you try to fit evolution into the Bible, guess which one gets changed? The Bible's the one that gets changed. And people come up with all these ways of trying to, to fit it in. And like in Australia, I don't know if you've heard of Mungo Man. Has anybody heard of Mungo Man? Nobody? Has anybody met Mungo Man? No, you wouldn't have met him. But um, Mungo, Lake Mungo, if you travel down through Victoria, down there there's some sand dunes. The sand dunes here and they found a grave there and they dated the sand dunes with various methods to 40,000 years, 60,000 years. So the people, the University of Melbourne, people at the ANU at Canberra were involved in these measurements here. And the reason why they're dating them is because they found a grave, the remains of one of the early settlers of Australia, an Aboriginal they don't know if it was a man or a woman, actually. But they found two graves there. And they, this is to do with the idea of evolution. And so, obviously, this person's dead. <laughs> they dug it out the grave. Dug him or her out of the grave. But the point is, it, it, there's a problem. Do you see a problem with that with these thousands of years? Because the Bible says that death came in as a consequence of sin. Romans 5.12, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and this way sin came, death came to all men because all sinned. So this 60,000, 40,000 years is a problem because it puts death before sin and, that's the, and it undermines the whole of the gospel. And so according to the Bible, death is a result of man's actions. According to evolution, death and suffering and natural selection has been around for millions of years. That's how, it came, how we came about. And so it can't be like that. So here's Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And, and if we put millions of years in, no matter how we do it, like that, that history of living things in before Adam and Eve, here they are sitting on all these fossils. And the fossils talk about death, suffering and disease. That's the problem. It can't be there. It has to be after Adam and Eve. And that's the fossil record actually is explained by Noah's flood. That great big catastrophe that hit the world. So Noah's flood is the key. And this is really, I touch on this because this makes it all fit together. This is where people say, ah, I get that. That's how it works. Noah's flood explains the fossils. So you can talk about the ark. The ark's much bigger than most people think, longer than a football field, higher than a four-story building. You've got the animals going on it. You've got here um, elephants and giraffes and different... And we've got some dinosaurs. This is a, a guy, Victoria, made this model, dinosaurs. I told some kids at school just on Friday and had this picture with the dinosaurs going on and their eyes were just boggled. And how many animals went on? How many dogs? There's, there's hundreds and hundreds of different sorts of dogs, aren't there? And uh, the dog kind? Well, it'd just be two dogs, two mongrel dogs. Because uh, the, the, uh, all the animals that we've got in the world today, the dogs, have been bred from some sort of a wolf kind. That's not evolution, that's just dogs. Because, and also horses, just two horses. 
uh, because the horses, the zebras and the donkeys, they can interbreed. So that means they're part of the original kind. God told Noah to take two of every kind on the animal. And so look, this is an example we had in Creation magazine of a cross between a zebra and a horse. Do you know what they call a cross between a zebra and a horse? A zorse. Well, that's what they did. Do you know what you call a a cross between a a whale and a dolphin? They call it a wolfen. Or between a camel and a llama, you call them a karma. So anyway, you find that on the web. But this is a picture of the cross. So that indicates that zebra and, and horses come from a common kind. God created different kinds of animals at the beginning. It's not evolution. And the animals, when the ark was lifted up by the waters, the water came from under the earth. It also came from the sky. It rained on the, in, in, uh, until it lifted up the earth, this, the ark, and everything that had the breath of life in it perished. And so that's what explains the fossils. The fossils are explained by the flood, and it was a catastrophe. That means it happened quickly, didn't happen slowly. Geologists who believe in millions of years look at the rocks and they imagine it all happened slowly, but it didn't. And so you find these fossils. This is one at the Queensland Museum. They found it out at Mataburra. And uh, it's called a Mataburrasaurus. That's really good. And uh, that's where they found up there at uh, Richmond. They uh, found things like this Mataburra and other animals. There was a lady that wrote to us, her name was Lorraine, and she said, I was reading a book about Adam and Eve to my son. And he asked me, where did dinosaurs fit into this? Isn't that amazing? She didn't have a clue. (laughs) So she went to see a pastor and he gave her a little DVD about dinosaurs in the Bible. So it was a really good pastor. And she says, it answered questions I've had for years. And I was never going to ask them because I thought people would think I had lack of faith. Uh, but so the, the issue of dinosaurs comes up. We're not going to deal with it today. And then you find fossils, amazing examples of animals buried rapidly. Here's an ichthyosaur. Look, it's giving birth to a baby ichthyosaur, snap frozen in time. And so the Noah's flood explains the evidence. And there's a lot of information these days. There's a number of creation geologists who are writing articles, publishing books, and like this guy, Steve Austin, he's published a book about Grand Canyon. He's a creation geologist. Now, traditional geologists would look at that and they imagine a little bit of water over a long period of time. Whereas the Bible says the whole world was deluged and destroyed. The, the highest mountains were covered. And so you look at it and you think a lot of water and a short time. So Noah's flood is the key to explaining the rocks and the fossils within the biblical time frame. And there's a lot of other things, amazing, interesting things like diamonds. People say, well, what about diamonds? They take millions of years to form. Well, not really. There's a company in the United States called Gemesis that makes diamonds. They have got these big steel vats and they put the carbon inside the inner, inner, inner container and they put it in, they put it under pressure and heat it. And within four days comes out a diamond, and uh, which is really, really good. And uh, so... Creation is a key to the gospel and it's, so that's why it's important for us to be able to discuss it with our children and for us to be able to defend it uh, and to answer questions in our conversations with our friends. I was in um, Newcastle and I met this guy and he said he grew up in the church 
you know, Sunday school, youth group, is involved in the worship thing, playing the drums and all that sort of thing. And he said, I was 28 years old before I heard that there was evidence, scientific evidence for creation. 28 years old. And he was amazed to discover that, you know, there's actually evidence for this. And so the seven seas of history, each of those is a reality. It's based on fact. And, And when you actually start with that, it makes sense of the world. So I don't want to finish just with a testimony and then if, I, if it's okay I'd like to just explain about some resources. I haven't, there's a lot of things I haven't dealt with but this guy Jeremy says your writings played a big part in me becoming a Christian. My older brother got me a subscription to Creation Magazine about six years ago. And so for him his brother got in the subscription and as he read it comes out four times a year and he picks it up and reads it and little articles easy to read. It gradually changed his thinking and eventually came to believe. I just got an email from a friend last night and he said, we've got some friends who've moved into the, the house connected to the church and they've been, we've been sharing uh, things of God with them and they've been asking questions about evolution. What's, what, what resources can I give them? What would be a good DVD? What would be a good something to give them to help them through this? And so it's good to be informed on where you can get information. Now, Creation Magazine is one of the, a, a resource I think is a great resource because it deals with so many different topics and it deals with them simply. That's uh, Colour Magazine, deals with um, stuff for kids in it, deals with stuff to do with fossils, with animals, with uh, natural selection and evolution. And so we have kids that write to us and say, I love Creation Magazine and I find I'm acing my year 12 biology because of what I learned in Creation Magazine. Because I seem to know more about it than my teachers. <laughs> and that's because it goes to the nub of the issue. And we have people who are PhD scientists who say, I've been reading Creation Magazine and I read it for a number of years and it's just changed my whole thinking around. I didn't believe in creation, but now I do. So it's a, it's a magazine, it's a great resource. Now that way you can subscribe to that is through this little sheet. So I hope everybody's got that and, uh, we can do, you can fill that out after the service and hand it in at the desk or, um, there's where, where we're having coffee. But there's a little thing there about you just put your name and address on there and indicate whether you want it for one year or for three years. And if you subscribe today, we'll give you a little back issue as an encouragement. So I'd encourage you just to find that. I'm sure you haven't lost it. Uh, you wouldn't do that. But uh, just make sure you find that and fill it in and, and make, get some stuff coming into your home. For books, there's a number of books. There's um, Answers book is a great book. Answers the questions like where did Cain get his wife? Where did the water come from? What about radioactive dating? There's a book about evolution that uh, deals with what's taught in schools. And there's another one called Evolution's Achilles Heels. You know what Achilles Heel is? Achilles is a great, strong, mythological god, supposedly. But he had a weak point, was his heel. And evolution is supposedly based on science. It's got all this strong evidence But it doesn't stack up when you just do a little bit of a looking at it. And so that's a a very useful book. There's a book for kids exploring geology with Mr. Hibb. Mr. Hibb, it's a primary age book because Mr. Hibb is a grasshopper. 
Uh, but kids love it because it's got so many activities for them in that book. There's another one called Dire Dragons. You know, I talked about dinosaurs. There's, uh, if you go out to our desk, you'll see the book Dire Dragons, and one of the guys on the desk may show you some pictures which will blow your mind about dragons. Uh, interesting. And there's a book about dinosaurs by design. And there's kids' books, which you can get one at a time or in a pack. There's DVDs, which you can get as a pack. Plus, we've got a lot of free literature there. This is just brand new that's come out. There's a, a brochure about Uluru, about Ayers Rock. And there's one about Katachuka, which is just alongside Ayers Rock. And uh, the, the people in Alice Springs uh, really sort of twisted my arm, said, oh, we need something. And they, they use these at, uh, when they're out at marketplaces and they give them to their friends about the brochures about Ayers Rock. So creation is the key. It's the beginning. It's the basis. It's the foundation that God created. And uh, Jesus Christ is God, for by him all things were created. And the ending of that is fantastic. All things were created by him and for him. You know, and maybe this morning there's somebody here that's sort of wondering what you're going to do with your life and what the purpose of life is. Well, the answer is Jesus Christ created you for a purpose. He wants to have a relationship with you. He's got a plan for your life. He's called you to a ministry or, or to, to fulfill the, the things that he's planned for you. And today would be a great day to start out and say, okay, I'm going to do that. That's what happened to me when I was about 12, 14, and I gave my life to Christ. This morning would be a great, great time for you to do that as well. And, of course, who would they see? They'd see you, Duncan. Come and go and see Duncan and say, I want to do something about that. Okay, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing today. And I hope that's been an encouragement and it puts you where you can get yourself uh, armed and equipped. Thank you so much for that. It was really interesting, wasn't it, to see that. And make sure you go and check out those resources. We're going to finish our service singing all creatures of our God and King. You know, we are all created by him and for him. So uh, we are created um, to worship him and to join with all of creation as uh, to point to the Lord Jesus. So let's stand together.